This episode was sponsored by Quests for Authenticity, the first and only coaching program that uses D&D to help people become just as confident in real life as their characters are at the table. Welcome to the Compendium, a resource designed to help you spend less time learning D&D and more time actually playing. When you get to level three, early, early on, when you get to level three, you mm-hmm. get to choose your archetype, which is your subclass, basically. All of them have different have different names. The last names, one, the fighter, yeah. is, yeah. or the the um, the martial. Uh, oh gosh, I just lost it. I was going to say archetypes, but that's this one. Yeah, this is roguish archetype. What is it roguish called? Archetype. Like bards get, get colleges, wizards get schools. Um, uh, domains for clerics and so on. Um, yeah, they're all the same uh, thing. This confused yeah, me so much when I started. Yeah. I remember I had a conversation with you, Jason, because I was mm-hmm. like, "What's the difference between these?" And you're like, "Nothing. It's just different names for the same thing." It's just different flavor for the classes. That's it. Yeah, they're yeah. subclasses. Yeah, um, and that's the term I typically use because I can't remember them all, and that seems to work pretty well. So there's three in the player's handbook, and uh, for these subclasses, the roguish archetypes. Uh, and I think we're going to kind of drill down into those a little bit more, and then we'll touch lightly on uh, some of the ones found in uh, Tasha's and uh, Xanathar's. Um, right. But um, there's also, I think, a few others. I was looking at um, Theros the other day, and it had a College of Eloquence for Bard. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's where that came from. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, they're so everywhere. You can find some classes everywhere. Yes, they are. <laughs> So the thief is the first one, and thief is interesting because it's not as like direct in the benefits you gain. It ends up being more non-combat heavy, which is good that they have that option because sometimes you'll look at some of these um, uh, these subclasses, like a lot of the the paths for barbarians. I was reading those earlier, and all of those are combat based, with very few exceptions. Thief is kind of nice. So basically at third level, when you take this subclass, you get fast hands, which basically the bonus action that you can use for your cunning action, um, uh, you can uh, basically do a sleight of hand dexterity check to use thieves tools to disarm a trap or open a lock or take the use object action, like pulling a lever so basically the cunning action just expands from being dash, disengage, and hide to being dash, disengage, hide, These sleight tools of hand. use object. Yeah, okay. Right, and so here's where that homebrew rule comes in where people are like, oh, just make a sleight of hand check to use your thieves tools. I'm like, oh, well, why don't we just do that anyway? Because what this rule is doing is basically giving you another option for your cunning action but also it's giving you a different way from what it was seemed to say as rules is written above how to do your thieves tools. So that's interesting. Um, and then you also get second story work. You're a cat burglar. Uh, you gain the ability to climb faster than normal. Climbing no longer costs you extra movement. So basically you get a climb speed uh, equal to your, um, to your movement. Um, and then when you take a running jump, the distance you cover increases by a number of feet equal to your dexterity modifier. Right, and that's uh, for a, assuming a long jump, or would you, would you uh, apply that to yeah, that, a long jump or a high here, jump? Here it talks about just long jump. So I'm yeah. thinking rooftop to rooftop. And normally when you have a running jump, 
you're doing it with your strength bonus. Here, they're letting you swap that, swap that out to your dexterity modifier. Uh, I assume you're like parkouring, uh, you're doing flips and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so here's the next one doesn't kick into level seven. Um, and this is really interesting. Supreme Sneak, right? This uh, comes. Level this comes, nine? Level nine, yeah. Right. This, Not seven, this comes yeah. with. Oh, why did I say seven? Man, I'm having a day. So Supreme Sneak, you know it's different because it comes with guac and sour cream. Um, starting at level nine. <laughs> it's going to cost just, you an extra 50 cents. <laughs> yeah, so I had that joke in my head, and I couldn't let it go, and that's why I said level nine, because my brain was like, no, nothing as important as this joke. Um, basically is that you have advantage on dexterity checks if you move no more than half your speed on your turn. So that would be half your your base speed, right? That wouldn't be if you dodge. Would that be your full speed? Uh, oh, like if you dash? Mm, I don't think it counts oh, you for dash. dash. Yeah, I think the idea here is that basically while you're moving slowly, you have advantage on stealth. So you can okay. kind of creep along and be sneaky. I mean, what would be the difference between that and uh, just like moving slowly? Because the travel pace will automatically change like stealth checks. Right. I think the idea here is not like out in the open or traveling down roads. Like this is like in dungeons and castles and nobles' houses where you're going to steal their jewels. Uh, okay. You kind of sneak past the guards a lot easier if you're going slowly as opposed to like just like booking it uh, like you can with that bonus dash, dash action. Um, yeah. And then you have We're use... still not done. <laughs> nope. Still not done. And this is still in the first one. So use magic device at 13th level. You know enough about how magic works to be dangerous. No, I mean, sorry, to improvise the use of items, even if they're not intended for you. You can ignore all class, race, and level requirements. Okay, listen to that last one. Level requirements on the use of magic items. So you could grab a sword, like a Holy Avenger meant for paladins, and just use it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't see that one used very often, but as I'm reading it now, I'm like, I should use that more often. Um, <laughs> Everyone listening is probably thinking the same thing. Yeah. But I think a lot of times, too, like Rule of Cool. Uh, I love Rule of Cool. I use it a lot. You've seen me use it. I, I know I get a reputation on the internet for like being the rules as written guy. I am not a, a, a dictator to the rules when I, when I run games. But there's sometimes when Rule of Cool... When people were like, yeah, don't worry about the restrictions, just use it, whatever works for your character, ends up weakening a class that got this as a special ability. So when you don't use that rule, you're doing a disservice to uh, the thief subclass. So that's where I kind of get into a little like, eh, I don't know. Anyway. Right. So then, with some with this particular one, like with attuned items or things like that, it's assuming you can attune to them as well. All of the same rules would apply. Yeah, still right, limit still three to... for attunement. Yeah. Okay. It's just that if it says that, you know, requires attunement by a druid, you're like, no, not really. It's fine. As long as you rub some dirt in your hand first, it fools the staff into thinking you're a druid. It's easy. Um, okay. Yeah, you're getting around the magical, like, uh, you know, um, thumbprint lock. Uh, and then you have Thieves' Reflexes at level 17. Uh, basically, you're really good at ambushes and quickly escaping uh, those ambushes when they go wrong. Uh, you can take two turns during the first round of combat. Because you haven't already broken the action economy with cunning action. You so take this is your... before initiative starts? You get two turns back to back? 
yet. Or is not this your back. first turn so in the initiative order? You, you can get take to... two turns during the first round of any combat. So, so basically in that first time where everybody acts, that's where this gets to happen. On round two, this no longer applies. So would you? How would how would you run that as a DM? Do they just get a pick where they want to take their second turn? No, it actually says it here. Basically, what happens is, is that you take your first turn as normal when you rolled initiative, and the second turn of that minus ten. Okay. So if you rolled a twenty-two, you'll take your second action, your second round in that round, at twelve. Okay. And if you get surprised... Because the DM doesn't do have enough numbers to keep track of to begin with. Exactly. <laughs> so now you're getting somebody yelling you yelling two numbers for initiatives at you yeah. instead of just everybody yelling a single number and it already being too much. Right. Trust me, if I party unlocked of rogues. this power, if I unlocked this power, I would absolutely know when my turns were. Okay, I would not forget. I would remind him, no problem. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so that's the thief. Uh, and then in the player's handbook, we have the assassin, which is probably one of the uh, crowd favorites from the original uh, listings. Basically, uh, these people are really are the edgy, like stabby stabs. So um, you gain a new proficiency, awesome, with the disguise kit and the poisoner's kit. Now, this isn't a skill proficiency. This is a, a item proficiency, but that's cool. You can pretend to be somebody else and then kill them with poison. Um, also, you get assassinate, which is kind of interesting. Um, Starting at the time that you get this, because you don't get yeah. this till third level, and this says right. starting at third level. Right, so these are the two things you get right away when you take this subclass. Okay. So um, you you have advantage on attack rolls against any creature that hasn't taken a turn in combat yet. So if you get a 22 and the next monster is a 10 in initiative order, you get advantage on the attack rolls, which is great for sneak attack. Mm -hmm. um, and also, any hit you score against a creature that's surprised, it's a critical hit. You still have to make the roll, but if it hits, it's a crit. So if you're being sneaky sneaky through the courtyard of the castle and you sneak up behind one of the guards, they don't know you're there, he has the surprise condition, you have advantage on the attack because it's not his turn yet, he hasn't gone yet, and if you hit him, it's a crit. Here's the great part. You had advantage, so now you can do sneak attack. Crits, as written, you double the amount of dice that you roll. This also counts for the sneak attack damage. So even if you were just like a level three, that's you're your like four weapon. dice at least. No, you're rolling six. S Sneak attack is two d six at level three plus your oh, weapon it goes damage. Up at level three. And then you double those dice. That's six d six easy. At level three. At level three. Broken. <laughs> there you go. I repeat myself. Broken. Well, they're oh an assassin. That's how it works, right? I mean, they're good at what they do. They're very good at what they do. All right. So then at level nine, they get another unlock, infiltration expertise. So basically, they can create false identities. This is really great for out of combat. This is like as you're making the plan to, to do the heist, to, to, to break someone out of prison, to sneak past the, the, you know, the, uh, the blockade they have around the town, that kind of stuff. You can spend seven days and 25 GP. That's a long time, seven days, to establish a history, profession, and affiliations of your identity. So this isn't just like, oh, I'm going to put a little like a wig on and some grease paint, and now I'm an old like you know 
uh, beggar woman uh, so they don't notice me like Sherlock Holmes would do, you're creating a whole new identity like Jason Bourne, right? This is like the extra passport and the all the, the information is in the, the system. The in your name and all exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, you can't establish the identity belongs to someone else, so it has to be for you. But basically, you can just be that person whenever you want. So when you adopt that new identity as a disguise, other creatures will believe you to be that person unless they're given an obvious reason not to. So in every town, an assassin could just adopt that identity for that place because here in this town, they know me as so-and-so who does a import-export business. But in the other town down the coast, I own a winery that has been my family for generations, even though I made my family up. Which is awesome. I hardly ever see this get used, but it's cool. Um, mostly because it takes seven days. Uh, yeah. But this is a great downtime activity to establish a new identity. Uh, level 13, imposter. You gain the ability to unerringly mimic another person's speech, writing, and behavior. So basically you can watch someone and you can kind of like copy them. So if someone sees you from a kind of a distance, they'll go, oh yeah, I saw so-and-so leave the tavern, you know, after the ninth bell. Uh, he was at least still alive then. You're like, no, I killed him at the eighth bell and then pretended to be him leaving at the ninth bell so I could establish my, you know, alibi somewhere else. Like that's the mm -hmm. kind of idea here. It takes three hours to kind of study it, but if you watch a person, you can kind of copy them. Their handwriting is also included, which is kind of cool. So if you want to forge a signature, that's rad as well. Um, so a casual observer won't tell a difference, but if someone is suspicious or, um, uh, they're really like looking into it, they could do it, uh, but you get advantage on any deception checks you make to avoid uh, detection. If you've ever seen the old uh, movie, The Saint, this is exactly what he does in The Saint. The Saint's a great okay. movie. Casey, you need to go watch The Saint, it's great. <laughs> um, um, well, I'm what I'm to... thinking too with most of these is like, and what I've seen happen sometimes at my table is that that players will draw up characters that have these really great um, abilities, but mm -hmm. then the environment that they're put into, they can't use any of them. So all of this, this would be useless if you throw them into a dungeon. Yeah, it is. Generally it's, speaking, right? Because there's not people, there's not stuff, like yeah. an identity to create or somebody else to mimic. You're just kind of trying to survive the death pudding and everything in the, which is not a real character, but... Um, Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's that's the thing I hear with this is like it's really cool, but it's also kind of specific for how the adventure that your DM is creating could actually even let it work. Right. Right. But it's a still a cool ability and it has its place, but not every ability gets used everywhere. So that's just how it goes sometimes. By the way, the saint had Val Kilmer in it. It's great. Um, I was trying to figure out his name. Uh, and then level 17, Death Strike. Uh, also a great name of a comic book hero, uh, bad guy, who's an assassin. Uh, 17th level, you become the master of instant death. Oh, you weren't already with your 10d6 sneak attack? When you attack and hit a creature that is surprised, that shouldn't be too hard, it must make a constitution saving throw, which is a DC 8 plus your dex mod plus your proficiency bonus. Um, so let me just do some quick math here. Uh, 17 plus Four, so twelve plus five, so seventeen. That would be uh, the is, save number, right? The number mm -hmm. you're saving against. Yeah, so basically, it, 
for most of the time it's going to be a DC 17. If they fail, double the damage of your attack against the creature. Now remember, you have they have to be surprised. But when they're surprised, you have advantage. So you get to, yeah, you get to do sneak attack. And Assassinate says that if they haven't gone yet in combat because they're surprised, you can double the, you, you can do a crit. So this is going double, to be... Double, double? You basically what will happen if everything goes right and it really should and they make that and they fail what's going to happen is is you get to do sneak attack with your 10d6 which is a crit so you do 20d6 plus whatever your weapon was no one cares now find add your bonus at the end now double that number it is called instant death it is called death strike now don't feel too bad monks can do this too they can punch you so hard that they can just choose at any point in the next like two weeks for you to just drop dead because they were having a bad day. Also, by the way, level 17 wizards can learn wish that will do the same thing. So I get it. But also, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. That's wow. Incredible. Okay. So if you, I mean, Assassin, like those other things aren't necessarily always applicable, but the ones that are regularly applicable to like kind of any situation, they're pretty hefty. Thank you guys so much for listening in. This episode was brought to you by Quests for Authenticity, a coaching program that uses D&D to help people become just as confident in real life as their characters are at the table. If you are curious how you'd measure up to your character, visit www.questsforauthenticity.com to take a free quiz and find out. If you're enjoying the content that Jason and I create on the compendium, please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can not only help support the content that we create and contribute to the type of content that we record for upcoming episodes, but you'll also be helping us offset the expenses that come with hosting, recording, and running a podcast like this. New episodes of the Compendium are published twice a week, so make sure you hit that subscribe button so you're always the first to know every time a new episode comes out. And as always, thank you guys for listening in, and we will see you next time.